Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How's it going, guys? How's your fall? How's the Halloween plans if you're listening to this when it first comes out? Boo. All right. Today, we're going to dive into 14 reasons why people don't adequately prepare themselves for a successful attempt at a promotion. For the purposes of this episode, I really am talking specifically about internal promotion. So you're staying with the same company. But most of these suggestions are going to apply if you're trying to get a higher level job at a new company as well. So here we go. Number one, and this one is really specific to seeking an internal promotion with your same company, signing on with a company that can't offer you a promotion. So you should be seeking that information out. If promotions are important to you, you should know what the promotability is at this company before you get into the interview. And certainly, if you don't already know it, ask some questions at the interview. This is an upfront mistake that can be avoided, and I saw it frequently when I was in higher education. So I can't speak for anything other than the two universities that I worked at, but there really was no promotion, no ladder, no, you know, if you wanted to stay with the organization and move up, What we saw was people moving around within student affairs, out of student affairs, into academic affairs, whatever the case may be. But there was no ladder set forth that you could ask about. And oftentimes they would ask me like, you know, what's promotion? Well, that would be my job. And I wasn't planning on going anywhere. So then, of course, it made it very uncomfortable. It also made it obvious that this person probably wouldn't be happy here, wouldn't stay very long. Now, I want to be clear in saying that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want that job. So if you are interested in promotion and yet this job is still very interested, interesting to you because of what you could gain from it, because of the proximity of someone or something that you would be in, you just want to know that going in, that this is going to be a short-term thing. I'm going to have to look elsewhere when I want to move out. But you want to like your reason for going into a company that can't offer you promotions if that's something that's important to you. You also want to look at, does the company promote from within? So it's one thing to have a promotion ladder and and to you know say that they offer this, but is it happening? Are you seeing evidence that people are being recognized and moved up? Or are you going to be in a situation where people from the outside or people from other departments who have no knowledge of the work that your department does Are they going to be coming in and taking a leadership role while you're staying there and kind of languishing in the same role? So that's number one, signing on with a company that can't offer you a promotion. Number two, not communicating your desire for a promotion. 
one of the biggest mistakes that I see is folks who assume that because they've done a good job, they will be considered for a promotion and that it will be obvious to their boss that they want one. And I used to tell my staff, like, don't assume I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. Do not assume in that I know something that I, that hasn't been told to me. Don't assume that I saw something that, you know, I wasn't in the room when it happened. Like, how would I have seen it? You have to tell me. And so, you know, they, there's the saying about what the word assume does. So don't do that. You also, there's a caution here as well. If your boss doesn't have upward prom- promotability, mobility, then telling her that you want to be promoted, if that means going into her job, now there could be, you know, depends on the organizational structure. There could be some, you know, room between you and her, but you want to be careful, you know, who are you telling this to? And I have seen situations where people have, it has been very uncomfortable for them after they let someone know that they wanted a promotion because someone else thought that they wanted their job and they got very insecure and that kind of thing. So be careful. So that's number two, not communicating your desire for promotion. Number three, not understanding the new role. And what I see here is people who just want a promotion because they know that will, they they want the higher title, they want the, the bigger paycheck, but they haven't looked into what are the skills, what are the qualifications, the requirements of the job, And do I want to do that work, right? So, so many people will be so interested in having promotions and getting promoted that they get promoted right out of their zone of genius and they find themselves no longer doing the work that they were once passionate about. So find out what the role entails and make sure that you like that work and that it makes sense for you and that you're not just going after a new title, a higher title, or a higher raise, a salary raise. So number three, not understanding the new role. Number four is lack of skill development. My favorite strategy for this one is to ask. So whether this is your boss or who the person who would become your boss, if this is a promotion in a new department, you want to find out what are the skills and qualifications that are needed for that next role for you. And what are you, where are the gaps? You want your boss to be honest with you and say, okay, based on what you've just told me, where do you see me as needing to work the most? And then you want to go after that. What you're trying to do here is make it very difficult for them to say no to you because you've asked what are the requirements and they say, well, it's A, B, C, D, and E. And then you can come back, whatever the period of time is, six months, nine months later, when the job becomes posted or you know that it's about to be posted, whatever the case may be, and say, you know, we talked about this back then and you said A, B, C, D. I just want to sit down with you and show you how I have accomplished A, B, C, D, and E. Number five, not building a strong track record. This is one of the very best strategies for getting a promotion is to do great work consistently where you're at. It does not matter really much how well you do all these other suggestions if you fail at doing the job. If, and I do see this happen sometimes with folks is they know they want to get to this next level. Maybe they came in the company at a level that they considered beneath them. And so instead of killing it at that role, they're sort of holding space until they get the role they think they deserve. 
and they're not performing with excellence at that role that will kill you in terms of trying to get a promotion with that company. And I think that one's one that can really haunt you going into another company as well. So that's number five, not building a strong track record. Number six, not self-promoting. Now, there's a huge difference, and I want to be clear about this. You know, we've all worked around these people who they take credit for other people's work. Every little thing that they do, they're shouting it from the rooftops, and they're just annoying, and we don't want to work with them. We don't want to be on teams with them, and we don't really want to be around them at all. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about making sure that your superior or superiors know what you've achieved, what you've accomplished. Make sure that you're getting the word out. You're self-promoting. You're not lying. You're not misrepresenting. You're self-promoting. And I also want to point out here with this self-promotion, if you are doing relevant, exciting things outside of work, so let's say you've just been elected to a statewide or even nationwide office for one of your professional organization, or maybe you have been promoted or you've been um, given the office of president or secretary or something for a local civic organization or the local chapter of whatever your professional group is. You've been asked to take on a role with the Chamber of Commerce. Those kinds of things, you're doing heavy volunteer work for your whatever And it is relevant to the work that you do. So I'm not suggesting that you tell them about every volleyball team that you're on, but as it relates to work and as it gives them a sense of your commitment to your field and to your profession outside of work, be sure your superiors know about that as well. So that's number six, ignoring and not self-promoting. Number seven is ignoring company culture. And this is a big one, I think. And so you can be doing a great job where you're at and you can be telling people that you're doing a great job. But if you're missing the mark with the company culture, you're probably not going to get promoted. Now, what do I mean by that? It's really going to depend on what the company culture is. So one example would be if this is a company that places a very high regard on professional appearance and you aren't doing that you maybe aren't dressing appropriately, you're not grooming appropriately, you're not dressing at the level that you should, you're, you know, kind of coming in unkept or whatever like that, that's going to haunt you. It could be your communication skills. It could be other aspects of professionalism. So a good way, I think, to discern this, now sometimes it's going to be in black and white and writing, And, you know, as we all know, there are mission statements that are followed and there are mission statements that are on the wall and nobody knows what they mean. But I think a good way to really find out what practice is, is to observe the successful leaders of your company in that regard. So if it's, you know, how do I measure up in terms of my professional appearance? Pick out a couple of folks, preferably of your own gender, who are very successful and that you respect in the organization How do they dress? How do they speak? How do they write? And kind of emulate them. You're not copying them because you're you and they're them, but you are emulating those things. You are aspiring to those things that they are doing well in that regard. So that's number seven, ignoring company culture. Number eight is not seeking feedback. (laughs) Here's the thing. 
we still have some companies out there that are living in the 1980s or something where they're doing annual performance reviews. I had a client recently who said she finally got an annual performance review, sort of. It was by in writing, so there was no, not even a Zoom call. She's a remote worker. And she was asked to fill out the performance review and give it to her boss. And then her boss would make comments on it. And there was no contact at all. And I just cringed. It was cringeworthy, right? So this is a great question to ask the interview. How will I be evaluated? How will I receive feedback? How often? You want to get a sense of that. It's also a really great question if you get a chance to be in the room with your colleagues who have the same boss as you would have. How often are you evaluated? What are the performance evaluations like? Because then you're going to get the bigger picture and you're going to get the true picture. My point here is your company may or may not have a very good structured system for feedback. You need to make sure you get it. I can promise you that this is one of the main reasons people leave companies is they get in there and they can't get the feedback that they're asking for, which is crazy if you think about it. So you want to get that feedback for two reasons. Number one, you have the opportunity to improve on anything that they're concerned about before you seek this promotion, right? So you can be working on these things. Also, what this does is you are showing your superiors that you not only can accept feedback, you can hear it, that you are actively seeking it out, and then you can show them the results of that feedback, how you have made shifts in, you know, whatever it is you've gotten feedback about. So that's number eight, not seeking feedback. Number nine is seeking a promotion at the wrong time. So this is speaking more to, you know, there may not be a specific job open at your company because it's safe to assume if the job is open, then you know, it's the right time for that job. What I'm talking about here is in general, having a conversation with your boss about, you know, I really feel like I'm ready for a promotion. So this can be a couple of things. One can be, have you been in the current role long enough? I'm noticing more and more that companies, especially as they are seeking internal candidates, they will say, you must be have been in your current role for, you know, six months, whatever it is, before you can apply internally. So they're kind of nipping that in the bud. And I would take that as gospel. Now, if you're on the cusp, you've been there for five months or something like that, you want to have a conversation with your boss about it and say, hey, this is the perfect job for me. I know I'm supposed to have been here six months. I've only been here five months. What's your take on that? What do you think? You know, and get their feedback. But in general, I would take that guideline as gospel. The other thing that may be happening, and again, this is specific to having that conversation in the absence of a job that's been posted, is, you know, is there something going on in the company? Is there, are there financial woes with the company? Is there something going on in your department that might make this the wrong time? If your boss has just announced her exit, or you've just gotten a brand new boss, That's the wrong time to have that conversation. The boss on the way out has no sway over what's going to happen after they leave and, you know, and you're looking for a promotion. And the new boss isn't going to know you well enough or anybody else in the department to have that kind of a conversation. So just be sensitive to the larger context um, in terms of, you know, having a kind of open conversation with your boss. So that's number nine, seeking a promotion at the wrong time. Number 10 is not networking. 
So we're talking specifically about internal networking here. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I harp on networking about every other episode, if not more frequently. So I'm a huge fan of networking in general. What we're talking about here is specifically networking within your organization. What does that mean? Well, it could look like, you know, what are the company events, picnics, I don't know, happy hours, whatever it is that you could get to know people outside of your department. And even within your department, hey, let's go out for lunch today. It can also be joining committees, teams, projects, whatever the case may be, that would put you into proximity with people from other departments. So is there an opportunity for you to join the United Way campaign committee for your organization? Or can you help plan the annual company picnic or fundraiser or something, right? So think about ways to get out of your office, meet the larger population, and do that networking. So that's number 10, not networking. Number 11, neglecting soft skills. So certainly you're going to need a certain set of technical skills to get this promotion. And we talked about, you know, finding out what they are. Is that a good match for you and all of that already? In terms of the soft skills, we're talking leadership skills, communication skills, teamwork adaptability, those can be really important in deciding whether internal candidate A or internal candidate B or an external candidate gets the job. So you want to get some feedback, and I'm going to talk about that in the DIY versus DFY section. You're going to want to get some feedback from someone who can be real honest with you. I think oftentimes we have a much better sense of our competency and our hard skills because they are, they're concrete, right? You know, if you're going to say you're an expert, you have advanced Excel skills, well, there's a way to measure that. There's a way to, you know, sort of verify that. Uh, Much less so when we're talking about written communication skills or, or leadership skills. So that's number 11, neglecting soft skills. Number 12 is overlooking the competition. There may be other internal candidates either in your department or from elsewhere in your department. And to the degree that you can find out about that, Or to just kind of look at the general landscape and say, okay, here are the other people in my department could logically apply for this job. You want to assess them in the sense of how do I match up against them? What do I need to work on to differentiate myself against this competition? What can I say that I'm bringing to the table that these other people probably cannot say? So that's number 12, overlooking the competition. Number 13, demanding rather than earning. I see far too many people that think that just because they've been in one role for a certain length of time that it's time for a promotion. That just because they have a certain level of education or that degree is from a certain institution, they deserve a promotion. And nothing could be further from the truth. You have to earn it. And most of us will end up doing the work or at least a part of it for the new job before we get the title and we get the money. So we're showing, we're sort of, we're sort of doing a trial run for the role before we ever get it. So you want to make sure that you're demonstrating your value to the organization rather than expecting that you're going to automatically get a promotion because you've been there a certain length of time or you have a certain set of credentials or qualifications. Number 13, demanding rather than earning. Number 14, the final one, 
inadequate preparation for interviews. I think oftentimes people internally are told, hey, you know, we got to go through the motions. Like it's inferred that they have the job in the bank. Other times, maybe they're told that there will be heavy competition. I met with someone recently who was told uh, they were going to do a national search for the role, but they alluded to the fact that it was hers to lose. The mistake that people sometimes make in that situation is not putting in enough effort, not putting in enough research and preparation for that interview. They do the same thing with their resume. They just kind of slap something on paper and they think that it's good enough. My goal, if the bar is a little bit lower, because I've been sort of told I've got the job, is I don't want to give them any reason to start looking at the other candidates a little bit more closely. I want to reassure them that their inclination that I'm the right candidate is, in fact, the right decision. So I'm going to go all in with a great resume. I'm going to fully prepare for the interview. I'm not going to assume that either, you know, I know all the answers because I work here and I don't need to to practice interviewing because, yes, you're going to have internal knowledge that external candidates won't have, but you're not going to be any more prepared for interview questions and how to respond than an external candidate if you don't do that preparation. I want to be clear in saying that absolutely the interview is viewed differently as is the resume when you are an internal candidate. But again, it gets back to that thought of let's not give them any reason to pause and be hesitant about offering us the job just because we're internal. So those are the 14. That last one, again, was inadequate preparation for interviews. Now let's talk about DIY versus DFY. This is a little bit different. So DIY, it's do-it-yourself in the sense that I'm not asking you to invest any money. Let's Let's call it that. And that is finding a mentor specifically for this role, for this getting you prepared for a promotion, you're going to want someone internal to the organization, preferably who knows you very well and who knows the other players. Now, what does that mean? It's going to be situational. It could be someone who has a great knowledge of your boss. could be someone who has great knowledge of maybe they used to work in your department. They probably aren't a peer in your department, although I can think of situations where that might be a good fit. But you're wanting someone who will be brutally honest with you, who will give you their observations on what they see as areas for improvement and and then help you with that improvement. From there, the DIY part is consume and practice. So whether it's TED Talks, more podcasts, and by the way, if you want to find my podcast topics by topic, I recommend that you go to my website, exclusivecareercoaching.com. And you click on the podcast tab, and then there's about, I don't know, nine or 12 categories of my podcast there. So, for example, interviewing, you can go there and see all the interviewing by topic, resume writing, career management, career decision making, all those different topics. So, TED Talks, podcasts, books, whatever else you can get, and then practice, right? So, if all you do is read it and it doesn't move the needle, it's not been useful to you. So take away, don't be overwhelmed by it, but decide maybe I'm going to listen to this TED Talk and I'm going to take away one thing, or I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to take away one thing and I'm going to, I'm going to work on it for the next however long it needs to be and set a goal around, set a, something, you know, we talked about uh, goals that are specific, smart goals, and see if you can move the needle in that area. And ideally, 
have, whether it's that mentor again or others who can be honest with you and saying, you know, how did you receive that? So if it's a community, maybe you're working on your spoken verbal communication. You know, have you seen a difference? What did you get out of what I just said? You know, am I moving in the right direction? Be able to ask for some feedback from people that you trust. So that's my DIY for today. The DFY, I think, is pretty obvious, and that is a coach, right? So a career coach. And what I want to be clear here in saying is, yes, I am a career coach. And with as with many career coaches, we have niche areas. So if you've identified that what you want to work on specifically is leadership development coaches, right? So you want to find someone who specifically works in that area, or maybe they work in communication skills or professional appearance. Just it's practically anything. I'm sure it is anything you could name, you could think of that you might want to work on. There's a a coach for that. And once you've identified your specific need, because that's step one, if you go into this saying, I just need a career coach, you might end up with someone who doesn't have expertise in that specific area or at worst or, or at best is a generalist and can't help you as well as a coach who specializes in that. For example, I'm not a, I'm not a speaking coach. I don't pretend to be. And so I can give my clients help with that. But I also have someone down in the South Florida area that I've recommended a few clients to who really needed intense help and and could afford to pay for that kind of help, specialist help. So once you've identified the specific need, you want to find two or three coaches. Look on LinkedIn, ask your colleagues for recommendations. Go on a site like, you know, ICF or one of the other coaching sites and see their directory and schedule a consult with them. Some people will call it a discovery call. I've seen everything from 20 minutes to more than an hour for a consult. I don't necessarily think that the length of time equates to the quality of the coaching that you'll get from that person. But I want you to walk away from that and evaluate, did I connect with this person? Did this person seem to understand my issue and be able to help me with it? Do I feel positive about, you know, developing a relationship with this person? And do I trust this person to help me? Um, And make your decision based on that. You know, there's, they're going to have different packages. They're going to be in maybe wildly different price points. All of that is important, but the connection piece for a coach is of paramount importance. So that's my DFY for the day. So I hope this has given you some ideas on ways to set yourself up for a successful run at a promotion in the not-too-distant future. And I hope you take care. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.